Are there some other like cool, either client testimonials or just interesting stories that you've heard of people really having some profound results with these peptides? Absolutely. I think some, some of the, the ones with uh, some of these challenging GI cases with Crohn's and colitis. And this is where we were using some peptides like lorazotide, which is a powerful, one of the probably most powerful um, gut healing peptides in combination with like KPV uh, along with um, just obviously classic BPC and then adding in other gut healing compounds into that mix, right? Now, now there's many one could choose from. I'm sure people listening have their favorites, um, Boswellia, you know, SPMs, um, butyrates, tributyrin, and, and things like that, right? So we create this amazing sort of uh, cocktail. And there are now quite a few people I've worked with that have gotten off of biologics. Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the functional diagnostic nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Detective Ev., and I will be your host for today's show. We are privileged to have with us again none other than Awais Spall. And I feel so lucky to know this guy. He is probably one of the coolest people you will ever meet. So down to earth, so kind, and he just makes friends with everyone that he talks to. In addition to that, and probably more importantly for today's show, not that being nice isn't great, he is a brilliant, brilliant person. Has a wide variety of different knowledge bases in functional medicine and biohacking. Uh, and he's also an FDN practitioner, so we're very lucky to have him as a part of our crew. Now, before I had him on way back, I can't even remember which episode it was, but I will have that in the show notes for you guys. And we wanted to bring him on again today because what's funny is I went from having never met this guy on that first episode to now having seen him a bunch of times at different conferences. And he is someone I do consider a friend at this point. So uh, again, lucky to know this guy. Here is a little bit about him. He is a certified FDN practitioner. About 11 years ago, I think it's about 12 or 13 now, he began to experience a strange myriad of digestive issues and muscle spasms. He was soon diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and irritable bowel disease. Over the next few years, he saw over 30 doctors, a process that cost him thousands in medical debt with no major change in symptoms. Then in 2017, he decided to take his health into his own hands through the FDN training program. So he actually went through it at the same time as me, and somehow I didn't meet this guy until like 2021, 2022. It's kind of crazy. And alongside FDN, he pursued a rigorous study of Ayurveda, which is an ancestral form of healing that holds so many keys to wellness. Through the combination of functional medicine and Ayurveda, he noticed dramatic improvements in his digestion and energy in just a matter of weeks. 
Today, his mission is to share his unique approach to empower those that are suffering and, like him, are unsatisfied with conventional medicine. Today, we will be talking about peptides specifically, because again, this guy can go in a million different directions with health, but this is what his current area of passion is, and I will put it this way, he got me pretty excited about this stuff. Without further ado, let's get to today's episode. All right, hello there, Awis, and welcome back to the Health Detective Podcast, my friend. How are you? It is great to be here. Glad to have you again. Awais, the last time, my gosh, man, I don't even know what episode you were. I'm going to guess that was sub episode 100. Like, I'm pretty sure this was somewhere maybe in 50s, 60s. It could be wrong, but definitely under 100. And what's so much fun about, I think, the functional health community, whatever we'll call it, and then getting to do this podcast is I remember like the first time I met you and we were like having a really cool conversation. We were going more places than just health. And I, I think we talked about even like religious things and, and other stuff, but it's conversations that you would typically be a little more hesitant to have with someone the first time uh, you meet them, let alone come on a podcast. But everything I threw at you, I'm like, oh, damn, this dude's pretty cool. This dude's pretty cool. And then we met in person for the first time and we've seen each other uh, quite a few times at conferences now. And man, you and I could talk for hours, right? Like it's like we're just those people that will explore anything as objectively as I guess a human can, right? We have our biases, but I feel like I could tell you anything about myself and you would just respect it. And and I know that you know the opposite's true. So uh, it's cool to have you on again. I would highly recommend you go listen to Oasis' personal health story um, and just his journey in general into getting into this, how he went from uh, chemistry to what he's doing now. Not that it doesn't involve uh, chemistry to some degree always, but that was his actual background. And then uh, he moved into the functional health space. So I will have that in the show notes for everyone. You can check it out. But always today, we are talking about one of your many, many, many love topics, because this guy, honestly, is a brilliant man. He really is. And I was joking with him before we got on. He'll always like be so respectful. Be like, oh, have you heard of this doctor? And I'm like, dude, I haven't heard of 90% of the stuff that you bring up to me. Like it's constant research for him. He's very involved in the space. Um, I think we we agreed on this beforehand that you can almost call what you're into not only functional medicine, because he is an FDN practitioner, but you're into the biohacking stuff too. Like you're into like really forward thinking protocols and treatments. And so I know we're focusing on peptides today. I'm sure knowing you and I, we're going to end up swimming into some other topics, but we'll try to start with the peptides thing. So uh, let's just begin with how did you get into that area of study? Because again, you got a million things coming across your plate every month, I'm sure. So for you to actually be truly genuinely interested in something to the point where you've been studying it for a while. Um, I know that's an important thing. So how did you get ho- uh, hooked on this? So my interest in peptides started 12 years ago. I had a chronic shoulder injury working out at the gym and just, it was sort of a genetic thing. I had um, weak front shoulders and just chronic overuse injury of both my front shoulders. I had frozen shoulder, couldn't lift my shoulder beyond um Uh, you know, just uh, beyond my elbows, actually, for a period of time. So it was very severe. It it was terrifying to enter adulthood with that kind of pain. And, um, you know, I went to the doctor, they had no solution for me. So I started just hunting on my own, looking for different doctors, practitioners approaches. And being in LA at the time, you know, we were kind of like, in um, a little bit in closer to Orange County, but still LA, I was able to find regenerative medicine doctors and just figure out like what I could do for myself and um, to heal my shoulders. And I ended up finding this doctor, 
that was working with a lot of professional athletes. He was working with some like now very legendary NBA players at the time. And um, it, it's, it's actually um, a funny story. I was really into philosophy and theology at the time. And he was too. And we would just go like back and forth a lot in our conversations. And there came a point and it was very hard to afford these things, right? You can imagine um, being, being, a new, a young adult and having expenses with college and stuff like that. I'm just putting stuff on a credit card. And then he, he actually started um, treating me for free or at cost. Um, so I just thought that was very kind and generous of him. And then as things weren't getting better, I started getting PRP, Prolo, um, Prolozone, really advanced things. And he's like, okay, look, I want to start treating you with the stuff I'm treating like my most famous NBA players with. And I'm not even, I'm, he's like, I'm going to lose money on, on this. Like I'm actually going to like invest in you. Cause I think I, I, something's telling me to do that. And he started injecting me with peptides, with BPC, Samarillin, acetate locally. And it was in, incredible how quickly I recovered function, um, how quickly uh, everything kind of like went back to place. And I was able to start training again and start moving again. Um, and out of everything I had done, I had done so many modalities and interventions at that point. Um, I was like, what is this peptide stuff? You know, I don't know what was 12 years ago, like uh, 2010, 2011. And I was like, what is this peptide stuff? And he's like, it's the future of medicine. And, um, I just started going to him and he printed out a bunch of handouts for me. He's like, you got to start reading about this stuff. And I was just like reading it and I was just like losing my mind. I was like, this is, this, this is too futuristic. I was like, this is just, this is the future. And he's like, yeah, he's like, something tells me you're going to get into this at some point. Um, and, you know, years later, it just kind of was continuing to be a thing for me. And then eventually it like became something, it's become a huge part of my practice now. And, um, you know, supporting different doctors and kind of like, um, getting peptide education sometimes and sharing protocols and things like that because I, my um, experiences, you know, go, goes back so far, just seeing also how protocols have shifted and stuff like that. So I'm just fascinated by the space. I've seen it do amazing things. And um, yeah, so that's kind of cool. in a nutshell. Cool. And still, yeah, still interested in it 12 years later. So I'm kind of excited to uh, dive into this and I'm always very honest on the show where I have my areas of ignorance and I'm very, I shouldn't be, but I'm kind of selective in the health space. Like I know a lot about certain things and then others. It's like, if I, if it hasn't come across my plate as something that I can use, admittedly, it's, it's a selfish interest, right? If it hasn't come across in that way, it's almost like I don't know anything about it at all. I'm hoping today, this is one of the cases where this is useful because my genuine ignorance will probably lead to questionings at, uh, or questions that the audience would want to answer anyway, uh, or ask anyway. Let's start with the basics then. How would we define uh, a peptide? Like, what is this that we are injecting into ourselves? So sometimes they're injectable, sometimes they're oral, sometimes okay. they are, uh, they can be topical as well. Sometimes there can be nasal spray. So there's many routes of, there's even sublingual delivery now, there's many routes of delivery for peptides. So peptides are amino acid chains that tell your uh, cells to do particular things. 
So you have up to now, we know at least 3000 peptides already existing in your body. Certain levels of peptides decrease as you age, right? So one of the most popular peptides is BPC-157, and that's a gastric peptide. And there's other BPC peptides in your gastric juices, but BPC-157 is the one that we have found to be the most useful. And it's very, very healing for the gut, right? It's like, it's one of the most powerful things we've discovered for healing leaky gut, for healing gastric permeability, for healing some some sorts of more chronic challenges like Crohn's disease or colitis. Um, And, you know, we will even see the difference on a colonoscopy, like a before and after of someone taking a BPC for like four to six weeks and just how dramatically it'll heal the tissue. So some people call that the Wolverine peptide. But yeah, in a nutshell, uh, peptides are amino acid chains that are telling uh, your cells and they're going into your DNA and they're telling it to do certain things. And they're called biologics. That's a very problematic term because of biologic drugs, um, which, uh, which are you, which means kind of something slightly different, but in the sense that I'm using it in the sense that you have it in your body already, like these peptides, it's not a foreign compound or substance or something that's trying to shift the pathway, right? Like botanicals are impacting gene expression to do certain things to maybe kill a microbe or something like that. Whereas these are kind of like, uh, they already exist in your body and they're, you're upregulating the levels of them to tell the cells to do certain things. Okay. So, I mean, I know this is probably a pretty broad question because if there's this many out there and available, we're, we're still studying this stuff. There's probably a lot of different nuances here, but is this one of those things where since our body kind of already has it, you can get away with it with pretty much no side effects or are there things that can happen when we're using these? That's a really good question. And uh, our data in the U.S. is a little bit newer compared to Russia. Um, so in Russia, the data, and there's a whole deeper story of, of peptides and um, this other type of compound called bioregulator peptides that come from organs. And, uh, you know, you can listen to different podcasts on that to get like the whole deep story of Dr. Kavinson why the Russian government asked him to sort of develop this this medicine. But it's it's really important to know that it comes from there. And in this question, uh, it's important to note that because sometimes we'll look at our like clinical data pools and say, well, we have X amount of information on side effects and what can happen. But you, it's always important to look at the whole data pool, right? Sure. Going back to, um, uh, to to Russia and to the studies that are that are happening there and and in the Slavic world. So. When we talk about um, side effects with peptides, for the most part, we see very we we see very limited side effects, um, and and that is because of its biologically kind of like adjacent nature. There are some side effects that people will notice um, when they have autoimmune issues <laughs> and how severe their autoimmune issues are. Now, this might sound contra indicated because peptides are also helpful for autoimmune issues, right? But it just depends on what peptides you're using. I think the ones that have become literally in, in the past few years, the least, the, the, the most um, critiqued now are the GH peptides, the growth hormone secretagogues that are, you know, 
pushing growth, they're, they're secretagogues, so they're telling the body to increase growth hormone levels at different rhythms. So people often stack two. Um, and the idea was, well, hey, they're so much cheaper than actual HGH, which is pretty hard to get a hold of. Um, and even if, if you have a prescription of that, it's pretty pricey month to month, right? So a lot of athletes want to do shorter rounds. Gym goers want to do shorter rounds. So they're extraordinarily popular. And I'm not saying that they're bad for everyone. Um, but we, we have seen certain side effects where after six months to eight months, people end up with a bruise at the injection site. And they're like, wait a second, I was fine with this for like six months. And then every time they're injecting, they're like, hmm, I'm getting a little like dot there or a bruise there. Well, the body is now fighting against it, right? Um, oh. Yeah. So that's one example of one where it's like, it seems to work. Some people have been taking GH secretagogues for years and they're fine. They're like, this is feels, I feel great on this. Some people take it for six months and they're like, okay, now my body's reacting to it, but I got what I wanted out of it. Um, and it doesn't seem like it's a really big issue. Like when they get that, like the red bumps, it's just kind of like the body's way of saying we've had enough, you know, you've been shoving, um, uh, down one pathway, like this one GH pathway to increase HGH levels in the body. Um, let's start exploring, you know, other avenues or, or we need, we need a little break from this. Right. Um, but then, you know, you, you have other sensitivities that people can have to the immune peptides, right. Where you just want to start really slow. Um, uh, I've seen, I've heard the least amount of issues with BPC, but some people will just have a sensitivity, you know? So it's like, just be cautious, obviously, you know, listen to your, um, your, your healthcare provider, um, and consult with them. But, uh, but yeah, for the most part in a nutshell, they are very, very tend to be very low side effect. Okay. So then if I'm correct from what you meant by that, uh, like, let's even take that, the growth hormone ones, the, the person was using it for the entire six to eight months, right? Like they're getting constant injections, not and constant. I mean, like regular, I should say. Is a Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So it, how short lived are the effects then? If you're saying that some people are using these things for years or some people are using them for six to eight months, this isn't something that you just do one time. It, does it only have a very temporary benefit? So the protocols can look very different depending on what you're trying to do, right? So for example, I am a clinician, right? I'm, I'm helping people resolve, resolve gut issues, resolve other functional health issues to optimize their health. So mm-hmm. peptides will play a very specific role in a health intervention, like the thymosin alpha-1, thymulin, thymosin beta-4, the immune peptides will play a specific role um, sometimes we'll use the gut healing peptides, BPC, lorazotide, um, even TB4 fragment oral can be very gut healing as well. So we'll kind of use different uh, way, things for different protocols. Now there's other protocols that are like, well, I've, I've done my basic functional work, you know, I'm functionally quote unquote healthy, and now I want to optimize further. So there's one that can sort of influence telomeres and um, be quote-unquote anti-aging in that sense, and that is this French peptide called Epitalon. People call it Epitalon. Sorry, my French pronunciation is not amazing, <laughs> so I'll just call it Epitalon. Um, and it's, uh, so, so the protocols for that and the research for that shows that like one milligram injected every day for 10 days is really beneficial every month. 
And, um, you know, Natalie Nidham talks about this on her podcast. Um, uh, uh, along, uh, John Francois Tremblay, he's a Canadian peptide researcher and very deeply involved in the peptide space. He's talked about this as well. So, you know, you do one milligram for 10 days and then, um, 20 days, you don't, you, you don't do anything. You do it again for 10 days. So you do this like three to four months out of the year. Right. And this can really um, impact the some of the anti-aging benefits. It'll also reset circadian rhythm um, wow. and have some really profound neurological effects and actually immune system effects as well. Um, so, you know, it's very popular, quote unquote, as an anti-aging peptide. Um, it doesn't cost a whole a whole lot either. So it's like peptides allow you people to access regenerative medicine without having to spend, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. Right. So yeah. that, that's, that's the amazing part of, uh, of peptide medicine. So, so you see like, th- those are just some light examples, but like how different the two types of peptide protocols can look. Okay. Well, you have me intrigued for a couple of things. One, I always thought, and I mean, objectively, I, I do really well with this, so it's not a huge deal, but one of the things I always kind of worried about was the fact that I had been on 20 courses of antibiotics in my life before the age of 18. And, you know, I'm a guy of science. I'm not a PhD, but I still am a guy of science where it's like, there's nothing really to say that we can 100% heal this. Now, I do believe we can always get better. So, I mean, certainly everything I've done has always been worth it. But I'm kind of like, is there not something that maybe I've missed? Is there not something that could have been optimized? So I'm already thinking of that BPC-157. And I've actually heard of that before. I wouldn't have even been able to tell you what it is, but I've seen this written out somewhere or someone said this to me. So I know that that's a common one, but uh, we can get to that in a second because even more importantly right now, I'm thinking, I mentioned before the podcast I got, it's minor, but I have a little bit of a broken rib right now, kind of a, a small fracture, it seems. And I'm wanting to accelerate that healing. So if I'm starting to understand this correctly, are there certain peptides out there that could be taken that might accelerate one's healing with something like this, or am I off the mark? 100%. That is the number okay. one most popular use of peptides, hmm. both clinically, both, you know, people kind of like ordering them online and doing it themselves, which, you know, obviously um, I, I don't, um, I don't recommend something like that, but um, this is the, the reason peptides are as popular as they are is to heal injuries. And these stories that I will hear are just fascinating and astonishing. And, and, um, you know, I I spoke about peptides at an event in L.A. um, last week. And this woman came up to me and she was like, I wanted to share with you that last month I had, um, you know, I had a broken femur or something like that. And she was healing in a cast and her timeline that she was given was eight weeks. The doctor said that you, you, you're going to need eight weeks. Um, and the only peptide she did was injectable BPC. And she, uh, was, she recovered in five weeks instead of the eight weeks. Right. Wow. So it's true. It's, it's incredible. And that's only one peptide, right? People usually combine BPC one, five, seven with a thymosin beta four or it's sometimes also called TB 500, which helps to heal. Uh, it's more fiber healing. And then BPC 157 tends to be more tissue healing. So it, it will support the gut healing, the gut junction healing. Um, and there's, there's so many pathways through which it works on. Something that's been explored is it can also 
kind of like bind in a similar way that immunoglobulins bind um, mm-hmm. toxins. This is even when it's injected subcutaneously. So one theory is that it might be increasing immunoglobulin numbers. So it's kind of like in that mm-hmm. sense, supporting uh, kind of like pulling of toxins from the body. Um, okay. And that's why it feels so good in the gut. But for injuries, it tends to support tissue healing. It tends to be very anti-inflammatory, right? Like I think when, when we're in functional medicine or optimization medicine or, um, you know, any anything you call this world that, that we're in, it's just so incredible to um, hear these stories, right? Like someone, um, I had a client that injured his shoulder and he, his doctor put him on like three painkillers. And he's like, I really don't want to take these. Um, my gut is sensitive, hence the reason I've been working with you. And uh, I, I just, I am in a lot of pain, but I really don't want to take these pain meds. And I was like, well, I can't advise you to not take pain meds, sure. but let's try uh, three peptides. Let's try liposomal CBD. Let's try like a cocktail of things, right? Um, and he was like, well, let's try the peptides first, then I'll try other things. And it was incredible. He 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 felt that he didn't need painkillers um, as long as he was injecting like once or twice a day. Um, and wow. it's just so and the healing was so, so much faster. Again, it was almost twice as fast as what the doctors were expecting. Um, Dang. All right. You're exciting me, especially since you mentioned that the you mentioned that the woman maybe with the femur thing, if that was correct, that the she used the injectable BPC. And this is the one that it seems like is quite commonly used and seems to be like very safe. Right. Because that's you're you um, you have some guts. And I don't mean that's not a lame <laughs> pun. I mean, like when I say you have some guts, I feel like you're always willing to experiment like you. I use my body as an experiment. You use your body as an experiment. And you're also very well versed <laughs> with your background in chemistry. So I feel like you know how to take more intelligent if they could even be called risks with some of this stuff um, where I'm like, damn, I'm shooting in the dark here. I need to not go in with so much ignorance, but I, my ears are already immediately lit up when I hear, okay, I can do something that's being commonly used uh, generally regarded as safe and it could help heal this because it sucks. I just got into the martial arts like last year. And I think there's two factors here because I'm a, I'm really healthy, right? I do all the right things. I had that uh, DEXA scan when I was with you in um, the How Do You Health Fest, and my bone density is fantastic. But I think there's something to be said about, you know, if you get out of sports for a while, which I was, I shattered my foot at like 22, and it was in basketball. And dude, it was just a nagging injury. Like I never got into any type of contact sport again. And I know some people would be mad at me for even calling basketball a contact sport. But I'm saying like stuff that, you know, you're bumping up against people, you're hitting each other, you're getting elbowed when you're not expecting it. I think that just, I, I think it toughens up your body. And I had done that my whole life, but then stopping that and coming back, I mean, it's so stupid, the little injuries that I'm getting trying to do something like jujitsu. It's like three weeks in first thing was elbow sprain that lasted like six weeks. I'm like, dude, all right, here we go. Finally get back in Maddie, my girlfriend, love her to death. And you know, she's not like a huge woman by any means, she's like 140 pounds. And she need me in the rib trying to get side control. And it's like, that's actually what did this. So it's not a major um, fracture by any means, but like she did crack the rib. So I'm like, good. We don't need to teach you jujitsu. Apparently your knees are made of steel. You just kick the guy in the rib. Um, and we don't have to do any of this jujitsu crap. You're good to go. But my point is I've kind of, even the, um, 
the teacher that we have at the gym that we're going to, you know, he said, because he's been doing this for like 13, 14 years, he said, listen, your body does just seem to kind of toughen up. You're always going to get injuries in these sports, but like the little stuff seems to go away. Like your elbow gets more flexible, right? Your, your ribs might harden up. Like the bones just become tougher. And that's not woo woo. We do know that like with people who do Muay Thai, I mean, their shins actually get denser, right? There's the world champ of Muay Thai. There's a video on this on YouTube. You guys should check it out. They have him kicking through two wooden baseball bats with his leg. Like he's doing this with his shin and kicking through two wooden baseball bats, which should not be done. Like I would crack my shin if I did that. And yet him, he goes right through. So I'm very excited because I'm like, okay, well, can I heal this much faster then? So is this something um, I'm, I'm guessing most of the audience is interested at this point for one reason or another. Is this something that is. I, I can go down the street and do, and I just probably don't realize someone's offering it. Is it super expensive? Like what, what would I be looking at? Do you have any idea to how to estimate that? So, um, so yes, it's, there, there's lots of doctors that offer uh, peptides. They can write a prescription for peptides. Um, there's oral versions of BPC and some of the other peptides available online that one can buy. Um, and the, the orals can be pretty effective for gut issues, they can be supportive of gut stuff. Though my data still shows me that the injectables can be better. You know, mm. when we're talking about Crohn's and colitis, um, it's pretty easy to see some of that objective data, right? Um, mm. And the the injectables tend to work really well for okay. for for everything across the board, right? But a lot of people don't want to do injections. So tiny little sub Q needle, right? Um, meaning you're just, it's kind of like an insulin. Uh, needle you're oh, just injecting I can do that. into the I can fat. Do that. Yeah, you you can do it, no problem. Um, and you just kind of like do it usually around the belly, like you know, just grab a little piece of fat if you have any fat in the area, and just like you know, put a little insulin pin in there. Um, so uh, it was hard for me in the beginning when I was first doing peptides many years ago because I was very. I mean, I'm I'm still a I have a thin frame, but like I was very thin, and um, there was just I had very low body fat percentage, so it was like hard to find the fat to inject sure. into. Um, but yeah, look, there's lots of doctors that do this. Again, I don't recommend it, but many people do order, um, you know, different types of research uh, peptides online and things like that, um, which, uh, which some say the quality has gone up in that sense. And like, and the sourcing is often similar to some of the pharmaceutical stuff. Um, and it just, it turns, even commenting on this area turns into a little bit of a legal political thing because, um, as some peptides have become very, very effective, like thymosin alpha one, which was doing wonders for people, um, a, a few years ago and the, the FDA regulated its use, um, right. And quote unquote banned it. Um, so then people started using thymulin, which I think is amazing and works really well, but thymosin alpha one works better. Right. So then lots, what are people going to do? Right. Again, um, it's not something I would stand behind, but they're going to go online and they're going to find ways to order it. Right. I knew many, I would never name doctors, but I knew many doctors, um, that were actually getting these peptides and just testing them themselves. Um, and just selling them in their practices. And I was talking to one of my buddies in San Diego who was doing this. And I was like, dude, this, I mean, it is, it, you're flying under the radar. And he's like, well, I, I don't care. A lot of us decided to do this because 
you know, it's, it's kind of, we don't, the FDA has come out so strongly and against something that's um, so good for patients that we're going to choose to fly a little under the radar, right. And do things um, a little bit in that fashion. So um, yeah, so there's lots of ways to get access um, to them. I'm connected in the local area to lots of amazing practices and clinics that offer not only peptides, but other regenerative tools, right? Um, Exosomes, different types of stem cells, um, plasmapheresis, all these amazing interventions. Okay. So then in terms of, you've already recommended, I appreciate that, you know, just keeping everyone safe. Like don't go be buying this online, especially if you're hearing this for the first time. Like I'm not going to do that. I want to do this correctly, but it's fair to say that I might a simple Google search might lead me to finding someone in my area that does this probably just haven't heard of it. Cause I wasn't looking and okay, cool. I might find someone that does it. Uh, what would I be looking at? And I know this could vary so much. So I don't mean to ask such a loaded question, but I don't even have a ballpark of the price range. Like let, let's say this, if I go get a red light therapy session, one off and I'm not in the membership virtually anywhere, even in a major city still going to be under like $60 per session for the most part. Um, not that it should even be that much, right? I, I like the more membership model at our place, but we can at least guess what it would be before we know. So before we know for sure. So what would I be looking at for these peptides? Is this like a multiple thousand dollar treatment for a few weeks or hundred dollars or what? So often you pay the, the consult fee for this, for the doctor that you're seeing. Right. Um, and, and that could be range. The consult fees will range from a couple hundred dollars to there's doctors who only do, you know, heavier intakes and it's $2,000, right. For an intake. Um, that tends to be very elite practitioners who are doing, doing structures like that, but, uh, prescriptions of like BPC one, five, seven, like a month supply, um, two fifty micrograms to 400 micrograms per shot, um, from like a, reputable pharmacy like tailor-made compounding used to cost um it, it would be like 300 a month right like oh, okay all right in that range like two to two to four hundred a month um so so yeah so and and that's a prescription right so that's like that's not people trying to go under the table um and 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 do it on do it online right that is cheaper very often um just cost structure wise like when people do something like that. Um, but the convenience of getting it from a pharmacy is obviously, you know, it's reputable, it's trustable, right? Um, and also it's already been constituted, um, meaning the liquid, you don't have to add liquid into powder. It's just kind of like, it's it's already perfect. So, um, so yeah, so it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, all right, then bringing this to, because now I already have my selfish interests met, so I, I appreciate that, and uh, I'll look some stuff up afterwards, see if there's anyone local. I actually feel like there is, and I came across it a while ago, and I, I got to validate that afterwards. But in terms of our listeners and what I'm thinking for them, a lot of our listeners, a lot of our practitioners, as you know, have dealt with like autoimmune conditions. And you actually talked about that might be the one place this would be you know, perhaps contraindicated, but it seems like it does more good than harm. So we have a lot of people with the chronic fatigue thing. We have a lot of people with autoimmune conditions and let's say they've been doing 
the right stuff, right? They're doing dress, which we teach in FDN. They've done the labs. They're like six months into the healing. Mo- I've never really seen anyone not get 70, 80% better doing the FDN program, but some people do get stuck at that last 20%. And I'm the first always to admit that on this show. I, 70, 80% is great for some se- severe health issues, right? It's worth that. But if they're at that lingering stage, what would you, I mean, you know, our uh, group perfectly. You are an FDN. So what would you tell FDNs out there to maybe be looking into for themselves and their clients? Like are there specific peptides or protocols that you'd have them uh, start looking into or making connections with doctors for? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think peptides. Um, so what I'll say about regenerative medicine and kind of like quote unquote anti-aging medicine, biohacking, these spaces in general is that they're often when people get into these tools, and they start obsessing over these tools, they miss the key most important steps, right? Like you just talked about the dress, you just talked about FDN, you talked about basic functional protocols, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are you restoring your function? Are you doing the things that you need to do? If you have candida overgrowth, if you have a, a potential parasite, if you have dysbiosis, are you taking your antimicrobials to kill that, right? Um, a lot of people, I get a lot of, I'll get messages on Instagram. Hey, I want to get X peptide to help me sleep. You know, um, can you help me get this? Uh, like DSIP, Delta sleep inducing peptide. Can you help me? Can you send me or can you help me get like DSIP? And my answer is like, no, um, it's, are you doing the things you need to be doing? Have you looked at the root causes of what could be causing this? What is your lifestyle like, right? Um, So when you have these powerful uh, medicines and these powerful sort of, uh, you know, immune modulators, people often do overlook the basics because they can, because these things are powerful. But that doesn't mean that you should. So um, in these spaces, often uh, of regenerative and anti-aging medicine, the functional medicine training is actually very low and it's very limited. So I think that if you made me pick one or the other, it's like definitely do the functional, you know, work, do the functional medicine testing, do that work. Um, That'll get you where you need to go. Now where peptides come in is they can speed up a lot of the healing. They can help you get there faster. Right. Um, And with autoimmune stuff, the, um, the, the, the thymic peptides, the whole family of thymic peptides, thymulin, thymosin, alpha-1, uh, you know, bioregulators like thymogen, um, TB4, are really, really powerful for restoring and modulating the immune system, right? They're immune modulators. They bring Th1, uh, Th2, Th17 into balance. And we know that, you know, um, TH1, TH2 theory, right? Like it can get thrown out of balance, not to get too deep into immunology, but, um, there's critiques of TH1, TH2 theory around how the immune, immune, uh, sort of dysfunction works, but in a nutshell, uh, everyone agrees that imbalance does occur between different segments of the immune system and within each uh, segment like Th1, uh, Th2, and Th17, right? So that's where a lot of the inflammation is coming from. It's like the immune imbalance of it, right? Um, gotcha. And then modulating the immune system can better prepare your endogenous immune system to create 
uh, different uh, cytokines and targeted immune factors to target certain immune threats, right? So this is where I think the thymus peptides, I have seen people's lives change. You know, I've mm -hmm. seen people who, I've seen uh, some women who were really, really struggling with viral issues and bedridden, you know, in, in, in a matter of a month, like pick up the energy to start training, to start doing Pilates, to start literally, literally a woman became a powerlifting athlete, you know, from chronic fatigue um, that I was working with many years ago now. And it was, it was the thymus peptides that did that. This is when, before thymus and alpha one was regulated. And um, yeah, just it, absolutely incredible, um, incredible transformations um, with those. And, and then I could go on and on and list like others that could be helpful. KPV can help modulate the histamine response and mast cell okay. and, and all. So when I'm kind of working with somebody or supporting someone in this process, we often find blends that we can put together um, of like TA1, KPV, or, or sorry, like thymulin, um, KPV, and uh, like BPC, epitalin. And the clinical just kind of like data that we get sometimes shows us that something has like for women that are postmenopausal, epitalin can have some really powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Well, you know, usually it's quote unquote, the anti-aging peptide. It's the telomere peptide, right? But it can also do these things. So it's like, there's, there's many ways to think about these things. Um, but it's the, the stacks we can always find to sort of supercharge someone's protocol or their health or get them there um, much faster while also supporting um, the, the process of resolving hidden dysfunctions. I really uh, appreciate and find it actually interesting and validating how you always seem to still respect the philosophy of, you know, you got to nail the basics, the dress stuff, which if, if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, it's a trademark term by FDN, uh, not revolutionary in a, in a sense, but we certainly push it like it is. It's diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, and supplementation. And so I find it cool how, again, you're, you stay rooted in that philosophy because you're someone that's where we have our almost disconnect with the conversations with stuff. And I'm so fascinated to hear from you always because you're in what I might call like a biohacking space. And a lot of these things, because FDN has been to biohacking conferences, as you know, we've, we've seen each other there. And one of the issues I've always thought that we're having at these conferences is many people, clearly not you, but many people that go to them kind of have that treatment mentality. Like you give something for this, but because it's a biohack, oh, it's, it's much better. So it's red light for this. It's a peptide for that. It's ayahuasca for this. It's, it's this for that always. And FDN's the antithesis of that. We, we don't treat anything specifically, right? We're trying to address everything in a non-specific way. And so for someone like you, I, I think that makes your clients very lucky that you can stay rooted in this more holistic philosophy and always remembering that the basics are what matter, but then supercharging everything with these additional modalities. And I think it, it kind of sounds like our FDN practitioners and, and myself included would be like the perfect candidates for these peptides because we are people that do the foundational stuff so religiously. I mean, you know, because I, I know that we all have our different things and um, you definitely like people and you like being out and about, but like the vast majority of FDNs, even at these damn conferences, I mean, we're like the lamest people in the world. We're in bed by nine o'clock, right? Like we suck. Like remember when we were at that party of, at Reed's house 
And it's like going, everything's cool. It's nine o'clock. Reed's like, all right, everyone shut up. We're, we're done. Like we're going to bed. And you're like, <laughs> dude, really? Like he just, he doesn't mess around with that. And so I think our people really live those principles well. None of us do it perfectly. I have my, you know, things that I, I choose to, I don't want to say screw up on, but I choose not to engage with because we all have, listen, human beings can handle stress, right? So we all choose our stress that we want to have. But I think Afghan candidates are perfect for this. I wish this was actually talked about more. And uh, it sounds very intriguing to me. I love anything that can accelerate healing that has minimal side effects. And it, it doesn't even sound like the side effects that have been shown are severe or permanent. That Like this, like what, a bruise at the injection site? That doesn't sound bad at all. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a beautiful addition to good functional practice, right? Functional health, functional medicine practice. It It really... I find it to be very, very supportive. And, and yeah, that, that point is super core to my philosophy, like get the foundations right, right? For me, it's also another thing. Um, we talked about it a lot last time was like my roots in Ayurveda, like a little bit of my grandfather's legacy. But it's like, you know, let's bring the best truly of ancient medicine, right? Um, of, of the ancient wisdom, understanding your constitution from your dosha, right? Like that's something people find to be very helpful. But then let's also make sure we're adopting from the most cutting edge that is available today, right? Because the challenges are also cutting edge, right? Uh, pesticides are compounding, right? Um, the, the levels are increasing. Microplastics are increasing. The challenges are also increasing. So, yeah. you know. That that's kind of where I always think about this stuff because you know sometimes I'm I'm odd with things I'm like a purist in some sense I, I would not experiment in the same way that you do right I experiment but it's it's a completely different way that's why it's always fun talking to you because we have such a mutual respect for each other and what we do and yet we're very different people in many regards those are like my favorite friendships um, and I, what I'm finding is though I gotta sometimes I have to let go of a lot of that purist mentality, because again, today's world, and this isn't fear mongering, we're being just truthful. Today's world is nothing like what the world was intended to be. And even if we stopped everything tomorrow that we're doing wrong, which is not going to happen anyway, the world would need some time to heal. Like glyphosate doesn't just disappear. The, the soil doesn't just automatically become remineralized and everything's fine and dandy. Th this stuff would take a long time to actually get back to where it needs to go. I mean, I think even the U.S. government requires for land to be labeled as organic. It needs to be seven years without the other stuff. And you know, if they're saying that, then add another seven years at least. So, right, like these things are going to take time uh, before we get back to that. And then we need to pick, all right, what kind of quote unquote biohacks or treatments or whatever can we use that have very low risk, high reward, and we can use these things to accelerate what we're doing. Like I use red light therapy. The sun gives me that for free, but it, it also rains some days. Now to our ancestors, I don't think a little bit of rain would have hurt anything, but it's like, my God, man, I can't even go outside because it's you know just annoying. Like you're getting poured on and the damn rain is toxic and then it gets absorbed <laughs> to my skin. So it's like, am I stupid for using red light therapy on days that it rains? I, I don't think so. I think that's an intelligent adaption to today's world doing what I can. And it sounds like the peptides are right up there. Um, always, I wanted to ask you too, because you already kind of mentioned a really cool story. Like that was incredible. The bedridden person that ends up becoming a, a powerlifting um, athlete, it sounds like. 
you are someone that is extremely well networked in the holistic space. This guy is hilarious to watch at conferences. He can go to every freaking booth and just be like, yo, what's up, man? And have like an hour conversation. <laughs> um, you're just a lovable guy and every, and you are genuinely interested in other people. So I think that's why you make so many friends. But my point in mentioning that part is I'm sure you have other stories, like some incredible things that have happened with these peptides. So outside of the powerlifting individual, are there some other like cool either client testimonials or just interesting stories that you've heard of people really having some profound results with these peptides? Absolutely. I think some some of the, the ones with uh, some of these challenging GI cases with Crohn's and colitis, <laughs> and this is where we were using some peptides like lorazotide, which is a powerful, one of the probably most powerful um, gut healing peptides in combination with like KPV, uh, along with um, just obviously classic BPC, and then adding in other gut healing compounds into that mix, right? Now, now there's many one could choose from. I'm sure people listening have their favorites, um, Boswellia, you know, SPMs, um, Buterates, tributyrin, and, and things like that, right? So we create this amazing sort of uh, cocktail, and there are now quite a few people I've worked with that have gotten off of biologics. Um, now, of course, I would never tell someone to go off of a biologic drug um, that is being recommended by their doctor, right? Um, but many people that I've worked with have decided themselves that, hey, I feel like I don't need this anymore. I don't need Humira injections. I don't need SkyRizzy injections. Um, I don't need, I don't want to deal with the side effects. I also don't want to deal with the cost of these drugs, right? Like it, some people, not everyone has amazing insurance. So they're paying um, out of pocket thousand, couple hundred dollars, or um, sometimes more than a thousand dollars per biologic injection treatment, right? So, um, so that's been really powerful to give, to give people the gift of normalcy, right? Um, right. And, and give it a, a, a lot faster than a regular gut protocol can do that, right? When someone has, for example, Crohn's or colitis, we know that there is often inflammation coming from gut dysbiosis, right? Now, fully resolving that dysbiosis in my work, the style of micromedicine, microbiome medicine that I utilize, trained by Dr. Grace Liu, um, those styles of uh, interventions that I have, uh, we do it in phases. And we're all seeing the, the sim similar results in, term, in the fact that peptides are speeding up the results, right? Like I had a guy who decided to stop taking biologics after within the first two months, you know, um, and he lost however much water weight, um, and just felt like he had normalcy again. So he could go on a three hour hike with his family, you know, yeah. take his daughter out, um, into the woods without having to feel like there's some pain in his stomach. Am I going to have to run to the bathroom? Right? Like mm -hmm. a lot of us take our different types of normalcy for granted. And, um, someone who's lost it, like so someone who's, you know, dealing with, different types of gut issues like that, like more severe gut issues um, yeah. when they can't go out, right? Like if you have uh, really severe bloating and gas or you, you, your bowels are unpredictable, you literally can't, you're worried when you're going out to dinner with friends or family, right? 
Um, so that sort of just like normalcy and restoration of digestive function for me as a, you know, microbiome focused practitioner is just, it's, it's so rewarding to see that. Well, and that leads me perfectly into our last part here. I'm like, dude, I knew 50 minutes wasn't even going to be close to enough for us. I feel like like in our normal conversations, we're barely just getting started. <laughs> you know, like now we're ready to dive in. So, um, yeah. I, hey, the, the good news is you're, and you're so, uh, cool because I don't even know if you realize this or you're just super humble, but you're operating at, at such a high level with some of this stuff that I actually really do believe uh, today is quite effective for what we typically do on this podcast because you know people are going to have to do research. I'm going to have to do some studying after this. There's, you've opened up a wonderful can of worms for us. So my point is it's a perfect segue into talking about what you actually do. So I know it's different from when we had you last on. Who is your typical clientele now? Who do you like to help? Uh, what kind of conditions do they maybe have? And not that we treat anything specifically as FDNs, but we all have our, our passions for certain conditions and there's nothing uh, unethical or illegal about that. So who's your typical client nowadays? So it's usually people that are very high performing, you know, and entrepreneurs tend to fit the bill. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur myself. I know the challenges of entrepreneurship and performing at a high level. So I tend to work with lots of different executives or founders or, um, you know, recently exited CEOs is another sort of group that often comes to me, people that are, they're, they're very stressed in their, their body. They're dealing with lots of inflammation. Um, they had, you know, a successful exit, but they, they, you know, work their bodies to the bone for like the last seven years or something like that. Right. So that, that tends to be pretty common. And also oftentimes these folks are very into biohacking already and they're deep yeah. involved in these spaces and um, they, they have all the tools and the toys and, They've gone to their different regenerative medicine doctors and been wholly unsatisfied with the responses and the approaches they see in terms of functional, in the functional work, right? So it's, uh, it, it tends to be people like that, um, like high-performing entrepreneurs. And the types of things that I will look at is definitely, you know, GI stuff. I love working with the GI stuff. I love supporting also optimization. Optimization is, you know, kind of like in FDN, we talk about like, this is disease. Um, and then you have health. Uh, and then you have like optimal beyond that, right? It, it's obviously Reed talks about it a little bit differently. But it's like, you know, the absent, there's a state where people come to the absence of symptoms and the absence of like disease. But that's not optimal. Optimal is a state beyond totally that, agree. you know, um, the way you live your life, Evan, is it's very, you seek to be optimal, right? In terms of training, athletics, performing at the highest level, eating and everything like that, right? So that's yes. the way yeah. we see th that. So I love, some people will come to me and they're like, hey, I don't really have like, like I, I could fix this or I could fix that, but I just kind of want to look under the hood of the car, see what's going mm -hmm. on there, right? Get a checkup and do do an, a functional a, set, a full functional assessment and then like really optimize from there, right? Take it to the next level. Know that I'm not only being preventative, but um, feeling better than I am currently feeling because I know there's a level beyond this, right? So that's amazing. Yeah. And I think a lot of this work in utilizing these advanced tools is like redefining what's possible, right? Redefining like, hey, I've had this 
happened to my gut and I've had this thing happen and I'm reading that nothing is possible, right? Or I'm reading that only I'm only supposed to be able to get this much better or this much better. It's like, well, you know, if we come to that, that's okay. But let's try to just think outside the box, use all these advanced tools, right? And there's so many advanced tools like that 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 I haven't even mentioned. Peptides are, are my favorite canon, but there's a ton of different um, modalities and interventions one can use. And let's just see what is possible, right? And then mm-hmm. that's that's the question that the frontier that optimization medicine is at right now. I, I love the way – we don't have too much time to get into it, unfortunately, but I love the way that you worded that because it's something that actually seems to be a, a fairly common theme for people. We come into this space because we're forced to. Uh, we have these health symptoms. We never asked for this. And now we're dealing with that. But you get – you worded it perfectly. Like you have the absence of symptoms, but that doesn't mean that you're at optimal yet. You can get to this middle ground. That's 100% true. It has to go that way actually if you want to get to optimal. And then I think this is where the biohacking space and these types of modalities really – it's a shame that there's such a disconnect still between functional medicine and this because there really should be a mer- uh, emergence of it. But right now it's separated because I think like when I go to these biohacking congresses, I hear crazy health stories sometimes. But a lot of the times I hear top level athletes. I hear serial entrepreneurs that felt run down. It's like, well, of course, do you work like 90 hours a week? And they're like, no, I want to work 90 hours a week. I'm going to do everything I can to still do that. Whereas FDN I mean, it is par for the course here. You rarely find a graduate who has not been something uh, through something serious health-wise. So that's kind of the differences between the two spaces and who they attract. And they really shouldn't be different. It should be different levels to this. And once you get healthy, I think even if you're not a crazy workhead like myself, one thing that is universal here is that you want to go share this with other people. So there's a, a pleasant irony in all of this. You go from someone who like really can't work that much or work feels like hell every time because you're so damn sick. And now for the first time, you might be doing work that you're passionate about. And my gosh, it's all you want to do. It's like literally what others look at as work. You're like, this isn't work. I'm having fun. I want to share this with other people. So I like that you mentioned that because the marketers will say, oh, well, don't, you know, no one says optimization. It's like, well, no, that's not true. The average chronically ill person doesn't say optimization. There is a uh, segment of the population that that's exactly what they say. I want to optimize my health. I want to optimize my focus, performance. Uh, That's the words I use a lot of the times nowadays that I feel better. So where can people find you if they, if they heard this today and they're like, all right, well, I'm definitely this guy's target person. I'm someone who you know has that kind of entrepreneurial background or high performance background. I'd love to get these recommendations because, guys, I can't stress enough. And if you listen to the podcast regularly, you know I speak highly of all the guests. But Oase has such a crazy knowledge base that I know that you can help almost anyone, even if they weren't a high performer. Or at the very least, you're going to refer them to the person uh, that can. So where can they find you if they'd like to work with you? Definitely. So you can find me on Instagram. Um, you could you could literally shoot me a DM and, I, and I'll send you my link to schedule. You can also use my website. The, the photos are, um, you know, could not be more outdated. I look like a different person on my website. Um, but uh, but yeah, you can use my website and there's should be a scheduling link still active there and you can do that. But uh, but yeah, I'm pretty discoverable and um you know you can engage with me um i have a very small sort of like wait list right now but um but uh but yeah i love to be able to serve as many people as i can i really 
as I get to do different types of work in the space, right, consulting healthcare companies um, and even supporting like uh, manufacturing and production of some of these things, I really find that I love the one-on-one work with people and just helping people one-on-one figure these things out, like get that understanding that they need. So yeah, I'm pretty um, accessible. Thank you for coming on today, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you at whatever next conference we'll end up at together. <laughs> to be here, Evan, and I'm sure I'll see you soon.